2: For just
4: being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor-Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
0: Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reis. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And Food Stuff is just as American as apple pie, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I would say that. That's probably about accurate. <laughs> Which is to
0: say, not necessarily truly American at all, or American in as much as uh, it's, it's a melting pot
1: of deliciousness. Exactly. Uh, to get into this patriotic spirit of the 4th of July, mm-hmm. although I personally do have a tradition of making, no, quote, non-American foods to celebrate that melting a- pot aspect of the U.S., mm-hmm. um, we thought we'd do apple pie. Yeah. The saying, as American as apple pie, which for international listeners... Is a saying. It's a thing. Uh, we were curious about the origin of that phrase and if there's any truth behind it. So, here we are. Apple pie. Right. And Merriam-Webster defines apple pie as, quote, of relating to or characterized by traditionally American values, parentheses, such as honesty or simplicity. Hmm. Yeah. Traditionally American values. Those are nice values. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't mind being associated with those values. Mm -hmm. Um, And a quick and probably unnecessary definition. (laughs) Apple pie is a dish with a crisp, flaky crust. That's the goal, anyway. Yeah, that's what you're going for. Mm -hmm. And it has a sweet apple filling. (laughs) It can have two crusts, top and bottom, just a bottom crust, a lattice crust. And the crust is generally some combination of flour, salt, cold water, and lard, or some other kind of fat. Um, sure, uh, or, or a crumb crust. Never forget the crumb crust. How could I? It differs from tarts, which only have a bottom, and they have a more pastry-like crust, and shallower sides, and a galette, which is a sort of circular pastry with the sides curled up around the fruit. My favorite way to do pie, because it's, who,
0: who has time? Who has time for for a, for a pie dish? Me, apparently,
1: because I uh, have a pretty good apple pie recipe. Oh, Oh, yeah. oh I see. <laughs> um According to the American Pie Council, which I love. That's the thing that exists. Yes, Americans consume $700 million worth of retail pie. So that's not counting restaurant or homemade pies. That's just pie that you buy in stores. Mm-hmm. And 19% or about 36 million of Americans surveyed say apple pie is their favorite type of pie. Is it your favorite type of pie? It's up there. I will say pie, if I had like a bracket of desserts (laughs) warring out, pie would be in the top four. Maybe top two. Oh my goodness. How about you? This is
0: a very serious ranking system that you've got going on. I've thought about it. I haven't thought about it that much. I I love an apple pie. I'd say cherry is
1: probably my favorite. really like the tartness of cherries. That is a thing I've never had outside of Shoney's, which I'm not going to count.
0: Oh, no. Oh, goodness. Okay, we need to rectify this. <laughs> All right, duly noted. I, um, lo- I love rhubarb.
1: Rhubarb and apple, oh, probably.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, good one.
1: Yes. <laughs> um. Also, we got to make apple pie the super old-fashioned way with a friend of ours, Julia Skinner.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a book historian at uh, Kennesaw State University, uh, one of their libraries. And uh, she, she finds old recipes in these books, and she tries to make them. <laughs> Which is surprisingly difficult because old recipes tended to be like, like jog your memory kind of devices. They didn't really like list like how much of stuff to put in stuff or what temperatures to cook it at or like what
1: it's supposed to look like. Yeah, uh, she was behind the six hundred year old meat recipe in our honey episode, our video episode. Uh, if you have seen that, and if you haven't,
0: you can go check it out. You can check it out on Amazon
1: Video or on HowStuffWorks.com pretty excellent Mm -hmm. um and a very important disclaimer we're not going to talk about the origins of pie because that'd be very overly ambitious oh yes
0: um we're also not going to talk much about the origins of apples
1: it's also a very big independent episode yes but in a future episode we will talk about both of those things and we're probably going to do a video on pie in the fall i mean apples oh pie would be a good one too (laughs) No reason not to make a pie while we're
0: doing it. Anyway, yes.
1: Uh-huh. And a fun side note I learned while researching this is that pie is kind of like um a historical, cultural, regional history of the U.S. Because, like, every place had a certain pie that was associated with them. It was really cool. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the history of pie. Let apple us. pie in specific. And to probably no one's surprise, apple pie did not originate in the United States. It's been around longer than the United States is the thing. Right. And we tried to think of a way to sort of surprise
0: ending this thing. Yeah, like, like oh, no, you never would have guessed. But
1: okay. there's really no way to do it without it being a very short or very convoluted episode.
0: So surprise,
1: totally non-American. <laughs> right out front. Yeah. <laughs> Nope. The oldest recipe, written recipe, comes to us courtesy of a 1381 English cookbook. Um, and this is pretty different uh from what we eat today. It didn't have much sugar since it was very expensive. Do you sugar? Yeah, sure. Like $50 a pound in today's money. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And the pastry, or at the time as it was called... The coffin. Yes. Excellent.
0: Oh, uh, man. It was not meant to be eaten. Uh, Yeah. Back then, pie was really just a container for filling. It was a way to carry stuff around. It was like a little homemade Ziploc bag that you could just sort of throw away afterwards. It, you know, which, which <laughs> seems so sad because pie crust is, oh, pie crust. I think it might be my favorite part of pie. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, people throughout Europe loved apple pies, though. There are poems with lines like, Thy breath is like the steam of apple pies. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Or a little bit later in the 1600s, English poet William King's aptly named poem, Apple Pie. Quote Of all the delicates which Britons try to please the palate, of delight the eye, of all the several kings so sumptuous far, there is none that can can with apple pie (laughs) compare. It's compare, but compare, I guess they probably pronounced it differently back then. Or far, maybe. Or
0: they just, you know, were rolling with it. Rhyme.
1: They just went with what was true in their heart. Yeah. Um, and I have a little picture of the oldest apple pie recipe here. And Yeah, if I read that today, <laughs> I would have no idea what to do. Yeah, it, it it basically says, like, take good
0: apples and good spices and figs. Uh-huh, I think so. And maybe pears are in there mm-hmm. and Saffron? And put them yeah. in ye coffin. And in, in, in ye coffin.
1: And bake thee well. <laughs> yes. And that's what you get. <laughs> right. And on top of this, apples weren't native to North America either.
0: Yeah. Or or not the eating apples that we think of today. They they had some crab apples.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh going way, 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 way back. To three hundred twenty eight BCE, Alexander the Great was writing about his discovery of what he called dwarf apples in what is now Kazakhstan. And he brought these apples back to Macedonia, and from there, cuisines in Europe and Asia adopted the apple. Uh-huh. Modern day US only produces about six percent of the world apples, by the way, while China claims about fifty percent of the market. Huh. Yeah.
0: The next step in the evolution of the apple pie occurred in the early 1500s or so. Um, Sugar, sugar, uh, was becoming more and more available and thus more affordable, allowing the Dutch to come up with the lattice crust apple pie.
1: Something I usually don't do personally, by the way, because I find it's a lot of work for just... For just pretty,
0: Yeah, and I don't really care so hard about the
1: pretty. I'm like, does it taste good? And shut up. And as I said, the crust is my favorite part, and... You could eat the crust by this point in time. Yeah, Huzzah, hooray! <laughs> uh, and the apple pie recipe we made with Julia—it um, came from around this time.
0: Yeah, I think like sixteen, fifteen, somewhere in there. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and it, it involved like whole apples. Yeah, smaller apples than we conceive of them today. Right. Yeah, yeah, and orange peels and whole cinnamon sticks, and just all the butter.
0: All the butter. Yeah, mm-hmm. the crust was made with a uh, with with butter. Um, Uh, melted butter and egg yolks and it was uh it was it was sort of like a sort of like a cookie crust like the worst cookie you've ever had in crust format but like totally decent for a crust
1: yeah and despite lauren's words it was surprisingly good it was oh yeah super tasty it was tricky to eat because of the whole apple yeah and they weren't fully cored so yeah um and also this book was about how to be a proper housewife oh yeah and had topics like sewing and minor surgery well, get get
0: with it, housewives. I know. Up through the 1600s, by the way, at least, uh, apple pies were sometimes called pippin pies because pippin was a common term for apples.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And also my favorite
1: character from War of the Rings. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when English colonists first arrived to North America, they were saddened to discover... Only crabapple trees, like we Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. Um, And for those who've never tried a crabapple, they are, as the name suggests, much sourer than apples. Uh,
0: They've also got a texture that's sort of like compressed sawdust. Uh, They're not juicy, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, we're really selling the crabapple. (laughs) Uh, I've heard heard that they make really good jam, though. (laughs) I have heard that as well. I have a friend who's big into that. I believe I have a crab apple tree outside my apartment. I took a picture, and I'm going to show it to Lauren and see what she says later. (laughs) Because I don't know. I've never seen one. Excellent. Um, Settlers bought apple seeds with them from Europe, but found that they had trouble growing them because they were lacking one key thing.
0: Honeybees! Bees! Bees. Yes! Ah. But to
1: be specific, European honeybees, which produced 50 kilograms of honey per year compared to the one kilogram of North American honeybee. Um, To remedy this, European honeybees were shipped to North America beginning in 1622. 1622. It says 1920. I was wondering about that. Incorrect. Okay.
0: Excellent. 1622. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Ancient bee shipping. I know. Okay. Uh, But yes, uh, apples are one of those things that needs pollinators like honeybees in order to make fruit to happen at all. And... It's also hard to grow good apples from just seeds. Um, the, the, the seed of an apple varietal is so genetically, uh, kind of mushy, um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that the tree that you grow from an apple seed isn't going to necessarily produce fruit that looks like that apple that you planted the seed from. Um, so you have to, you have to very carefully develop trees over a course of time in order to make them grow good fruit um and uh grafting on branches from developed trees really helps so hmm. interesting
1: mm-hmm. it took a while for a crop of what were called cooking quality or dessert apples which are basically crisp and acidic varieties to produce any fruit so early americans primarily used apples for cider in the beginning and hard cider yeah <laughs> yeah I, like alcoholic cider as right. well yes not, that's what we're getting at yes the first written record of apple pie in the U.S. didn't pop up until 1697, and it was most likely bought over by British, Dutch, and Swedish immigrants. Um, apple pies rose in popularity in colonial America, thanks in part to the innovation of Pennsylvania Dutch women as far as peeling, coring, and drying apples so that they could be preserved and enjoyed year-round.
0: Um, They're a fall fruit, and although they do hold up a lot better than a lot of other fruits, like under the right circumstances, apples harvest, harvested in September or October can be sold in March or April. Uh, but they certainly don't last until like the summer. Um, also, that March or April thing is with modern technology of refrigeration and specialty air mixes that prevent ripening and microbe growth and stuff like that. Um, but with a good cold cellar storage area, fresh apples could certainly be kept through the winter. Um, but but
1: yes, preservation via drying was a cool technology. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And at this time, pie could be enjoyed at any meal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the entire meal and often served with cheddar cheese. Um, more and more apple pie recipes are appearing in cookbooks, along with recipes for apple and Marlboro puddings, which are very similar to apple pies. Um, the, these puddings called for eggs to be used in the apple mix,
0: thus making the filling of the pie a little bit more hearty. More meal-like. Yes. Mm -hmm. A Swedish settler in Delaware, one uh, Dr. Israel Akrelius. sure, let's go with that, Uh, wrote in 1759, apple pie is used throughout the whole year, and when fresh apples are no longer to be had, dried ones are used. It is the evening meal of children. House pie in country places is made of apples neither peeled nor freed from their cores,
1: and its crust is not broken if a wagon wheel goes over it. That sounds like a very sturdy crust. (laughs) Then, in the late 1700s, an important step occurred towards apple pie gaining its its rep as American. A man from Massachusetts named John Chapman went around the new American frontier planting apple seeds, primarily focusing his efforts in Ohio and Pennsylvania. After he planted these trees, he's w- he'd wait a couple of years, return, and sell the land at a higher price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He mostly walked to, estimates say, somewhere around 10,000 miles, barefoot, single knife for protection. <laughs> <laughs> he was viewed as kind of a weirdo, but super American in his frontiers, man Yeah. And yes, I'm talking about Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> uh, he helped associate apples with being American, and uh, these apples were still very sour and still used more for cider than apple pie, but it's a story like, I honestly can't tell you what it is, but I know it's a story that kids get told a lot. Yeah. Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. And
0: yeah, he's so rebellious against the man and he just goes around and plants his apples and does stuff. He has a cute dog. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a very strange children's tradition of Johnny Appleseed. Some some people say that, that since, since these apples were being used for cider, that he really brought the gift of alcohol to the frontier. Ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, another dude was also famous, although not legendary like Johnny Appleseed, because he like wore shoes and was.
1: <laughs> He's trying to be legendary. You got to take those shoes off,
0: right? Um, he he was also famous for spreading apple trees through the Northeast around the same time. Um, by the name of uh, General Rufus Putnam, uh, he was a charter member of the Ohio Company, which was encouraging farmer settlement through the territory in the 1780s and on. Um, and he sold grafted trees with good quality fruit to farmers, and it, it was a like like eating apples, uh, and it was a good crop for small farms because the trees could be tended without a whole lot of labor, and the fruit was easily preserved through the winter. Um, the apple tree, in this way, would slowly become a symbol of American like fortitude and independence. Oh, okay, you know, the seedlings of uh, oh. of uh, legends in there, yeah. Um, In 1796, Amelia Simmons was the first American to publish a cookbook. I mean, lots of people had written them, but she, you know, pressed print. Um, (laughs) uh, It's called American Cookery, um, and in it was therefore the first published recipe
1: for American apple pie. Well, good on Amelia Simmons. Mm -hmm. And American's love of pie started to wane in the 1800s with beginnings of diets and nutrition concerns, especially concerning the crust. Sarah Josepha Hale of Thanksgiving fame, which is one of my favorite, like, stories from history. Of of Thanksgiving fame? Did she invent Thanksgiving? What? Oh, man. She she wanted Thanksgiving so badly. She wrote Abraham Lincoln a letter every year campaigning for there to be this day. And she had the meal all, like, drawn up (laughs) where you do this big extravagant meal to show off, like, American housewives and all the food and just our our, our bounty American and richness pride yeah. yeah and she used it she eventually won Lincoln over with it being like we can help heal from the Civil War if we just <laughs> we just, just had Thanksgiving this. she basically she wrote a very long letter campaign to get this holiday and she did and there's a whole episode from my old show Stuff Mom never told you Street, Sarah Joseph Hale it's hilarious. I've been looking it up. Anyway, okay, <laughs> all right. So she wrote concerning apple pie. She wrote in her 1841 cookbook, The Good Housekeeper quote: "It would really be a great improvement in the matter of health if people would eat their delicious summer fruits with good light bread instead of working up the flour with water and butter to a compound that almost defies the digestive powers and baking therein the fruits till they lose nearly all their fine original flavor." Goodness, Mm-hmm. and in 1869, abolitionist Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote about the pie. The pie is an English institution which, planted on American soil, forthwith ran rampant and burst forth into an untold variety of genre and species. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, these health claims
0: against pies were kind of everywhere. In the United States, Sarah Tyson Rohrer wrote articles like, Why I Oppose Pies and Why I Have No Cakes and Pies on My Table. Um, this was around the turn of the 20th century. A couple of her quotes: "The inside of a pie is injurious, and pies and cakes are indigestible." Wow, strong feelings.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: Um, and some of these strong feelings might have also helped make apple pie the the kind of legend that it is today. And we will get to that story after a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san Diego.org. Fund it in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
1: Me.
4: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
2: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
4: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know like this. I ain't no spy girl.
4: Like never before. That's
2: my daughter. That's my Amy.
4: <laughs> On the big screen.
2: I want to
4: be
3: remembered
4: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, StraightForward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: So. As I was saying, um, the, the staging of the apple pie as this American thing may actually be in part due to these health concerns, because in 1902, an English writer, slightly more judiciously than Rohrer, suggested that apple pie should only be eaten twice per week. Only twice per only week. Only twice per week. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, this, this, you know, very civil suggestion, uh, prompted a New York Times editor to respond, quote, uh, Eating the pie twice a week is utterly insufficient, as anyone who knows the secret of our strength as a nation and the foundation of our industrial supremacy must admit. Pie is the American synonym of prosperity and its varying contents, the calendar of changing seasons. Pie is the food of the heroic. No pie eating people can be permanently vanquished. It's a, it's a strong sentiment. It is very strong, but, but it does kind of demonstrate, like, the the nostalgia that apple pie in particular has inspired because it's this simple and homey dish. And, yeah, I I think its cultural popularity is really tied to that nostalgia. Um, Speaking of, the phrase American as apple pie probably originated in the first couple decades of the 20th century. Um, It popped up in print as early as 1928. It was being used there to describe uh, Lou Henry Hoover, the first lady of the Hoover presidency, and what a good homemaker she was. The phrase didn't spread to wide use until the 1940s, when it became a bit of a meme as the United States got into World War II. You know, when when journalists were asking soldiers why they were going off to war, they'd say that they were fighting for mom and apple pie. In 1941, Carmen Lombardo and John Jacob Loeb published the song Ma, I Miss Your Apple Pie. I've never heard this song. I I haven't heard it, but but it's about um it's a soldier writing home, uh, saying like, "Mom, I miss your apple pie. It's like so so good." And I guess I miss you too. Aww, yeah. As of 1942, apple pie was the most frequently served dessert at American military posts. Wow. and perhaps because of all of this during the post-war boom of the 1950s and 60s, the idea of the apple pie being this specifically American tradition really took root. Meanwhile, in 1940. Edward Elwell Whiting wrote in a New York Times article about uh, northern New England, specifically, that there, apple pie is a food, a cult, and a ceremony, if not a religion.
1: Wow. What a religion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, sign me up. I know. (laughs) Food industrialization was also in full swing at the time, and after World War II, General Mills introduced pie quick for the busy housewife. Yes, it was, quote, an entire pie in a package. Oh. It included a pie crust mix and a bag of dehydrated apples. Okay. I don't think it ever really caught on.
1: Well, I certainly haven't heard of pie quick. No.
0: In fact, in uh, 1953, a Gallup poll asked Americans what dish was, quote, the real test of a woman's ability to cook. And both men and women overwhelmingly answered apple pie. In 1956, a businessman by the name of Robert P. Smith worked out a technique to freeze pies and thus made his pie business national um, based on his mother's recipes, Mrs. Smith. Oh. Yes, there was a Mrs. Smith, uh, Mrs. Amanda Smith, in fact. Uh, Robert had started selling uh, mom's apple pies at a YMCA lunch counter in 1919, which grew to a standalone pie shop, which led to factories in the 1930s. And then, yeah, frozen pies. That's why we have frozen pies in supermarkets everywhere. Wow. Thank you, Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. Apple pie was the first dessert that McDonald's released in 1968, the same year, by the way, that the Big Mac debuted. Oh. Um, their their recipe, the the hand pie that, that was deep fried, came from a franchise in Tennessee. The fried pie would eventually be replaced by a baked version in 1992.
1: That's a uh, pretty American thing with apple pie pie and you got your mcdonald's big mac yeah and you fry
0: everything Mm -hmm. just both of them go straight into a deep fryer exactly oh deep fried big mac what
1: i'm sure that i'm sure sure someone's done done
0: it yeah Mm -hmm. very true um going by the digital archives of the new york times we hit peak apple pie interest in the 1980s (laughs) (laughs) it's been on slight decline ever since
1: oh no (laughs) I actually only recently discovered apple pie. Yeah. I don't know. We never had it when I was growing up and then I just decided to make it one year. Yeah, like a couple years ago. Huh. So it was one of the
0: it was one of the few desserts that my that my father made. Uh he he was he was a cook, but um but most of the time it was it was savory stuff. But at home occasionally for for holidays, he would make an apple pie that had a bunch of cream involved in the filling. It's
1: real good. Yeah, I always thought apple pie was more associated with summer, but I guess a lot of people make it for Christmas or holidays. Giving, yeah, holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the history part. Mm-hmm. We got a brief little science thing here. Yeah, because um, a couple of key science concepts do play a role in making an excellent apple and/or pretty much any kind whatever of whatever kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them is the Maillard reaction. Um, then this is the browning thing that happens as a result of the protein and sugar combining with heat and then decomposing and forming all these different compounds. And these compounds rearrange themselves as sucrose and amino acids react at around 310 degrees Fahrenheit, 177 degrees Celsius. Hmm. Um, they attach to water molecules and they help create both the pie's shell and some of those delightful pie aromas. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, Uh, By far the most complicated part of this whole thing seems to be the crust and getting the right, the flaky, (laughs) tender, buttery crust that falls apart when you take a bite, but it doesn't get soggy or overly chewy. Um, And this seems to be a matter of managing the gluten formation by limiting the amount of water you use because gluten needs water, and the more gluten, the tougher the crust. Uh Mm -hmm. And the butter helps impede the water from forming gluten, uh, I read oh, about the science behind a flaky pie crust and I got very, very confused. <laughs> but the, the condensed anti-understanding version is you've got three main things going on. You've got dry flour and it, it absorbs whatever water you use and forms like these stretchy gluten things. Molecules, sure. Uh huh. And then you've got pieces of butter or whatever fat you're using that are coated with flour, with flour that flatten out when you roll them. And they separate the layers of the stretchy gluten so that when you bake it, there, there's those flaky little layers that mm-hmm. you see. Oh, cool. Um, and there's a, the third thing is the sort of in between the two things, paste, that is similar to the fat layer, but it melts and releases individual flour bits into the glutenified flour. So, voila, flaky, delicious <laughs> crust layers. It's actually really interesting, but yeah. very dense. and some argument about it, but I've, that seems to be what most people yeah. agree upon. Um, there, there's there's definitely
0: argument about how to make
1: the ultimate oh, pie crust. Oh, yes. I, I've got my way, which is pretty easy. And also, um, I don't have a food processor. Oh, wow. Um, so when I'm, like, cutting the flour, the butter into the flour, I freeze the butter, and then I grate it. Ooh. Yeah. That's a great Isn't idea. <laughs>
0: It's so good. Annie uh, just blew my mind a little bit. That's
1: how I make my pie crust.
0: Because the yeah okay the the colder the butter the the more it kind of facilitates that mm-hmm. that that You don't thing. want it to melt. You don't yeah. want it to melt. Yeah.
1: Um. And to get over the well, one way to get past the um water forming gluten thing is apparently you can use alcohols like rum or vodka in place of water.
0: Mm-hmm. I've tried it. It's it's fine. Oh really? Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I'm interested to try it.
0: I mean, the, the alcohol cooks off. You're not going to sure. get drunk off the
1: pie crust. Oh.
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you save some rum for afterwards. Oh, okay. Afterwards. For the chef.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as as Julia, Julia Child would do. Just, you know, some, exactly. some for the crust, some for you. Right. Another thing is uh, viscosity. Mm-hmm. And that's important to the desired pie thickness. Mm. Uh, to get that lovely goo- gooey texture. Um, and it relies on the thickener, like cornstarch. But most fruits have pectin, and apples especially, they have like 10 to 20% pectin, Yeah, um, which is sort of like the cellular glue thing. Um, it starts to break down around 140 degrees Fahrenheit, 60 degrees Celsius, and pectin is an ingredient you can find in jams and preserves that helps set them and gives them the gel-like texture that you're looking for mm-hmm. in pie. Yeah. So pectin binds better under a lower pH. The tartar the apple, a.k.a. the higher the acidity, the firmer it will be when baked. Um, I usually use half Granny Smith, berry tart, and half Golden Delicious. But the article I was reading about this recommended Golden Delicious all the way. That's huh. the one.
0: That sounds like a very sweet pie.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a preference thing.
0: Yeah, I, I I would I would usually go all Granny Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, depends on how much sugar you use too, I suppose. Also, apparently, this this might be apocryphal. There was a Granny Smith <gasps> who named the Granny Smith apple.
1: And now, I'm, immediately after this podcast, I'm looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> Another important thing is to put, uh, your, you know, your little steam vents to let out moisture as the mm-hmm. pie cooks. And then serving temperature. Fresh out of the oven, because molecules flow more quickly and freely with heat, the filling will be runnier than if you exercise some restraint. And that's directed at me, not you. And let it cool. Uh, you want to use... Thin, flat slices of tightly packed apples, Mm -hmm. since heat causes the water in the apples to go from liquid to gas, which makes air pockets and causes the apples to shrink at the same time. Ah. Um, Yeah, so if you have bigger pieces of apples that aren't as close together, you'll end up with a large gap between your crust
0: and your filling. Which I don't really mind. But it's not the worst thing in the world. No. I mean, it's still an apple pie. Yeah.
1: These are all just...
0: But, yeah, yeah, no, no, good, good recommendation. Yes, science fact.
1: Yes. Recommendation. hmm Okay, so that was our brief science segment, um, and we're going to take another quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll talk about some apple pie cultural things. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth.
2: Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
1: Me!
4: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
2: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
4: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy scale
4: Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. <laughs> On the big screen.
2: I want to be remembered.
4: Could just be in me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time, time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a guggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So one of the things I wanted to talk about regarding apple pie is the cheddar apple pie. Which I don't think I've ever actually
0: put in my face.
1: I have not either. I've had a, the combination of apple and cheddar, but I've never had
0: Sure. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't put it, like, on my face either. I've just, I've, I've never turned it. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh,
1: there were a couple of reasons I wanted to talk about this. One is because I found a cookbook at our office, and the only apple pie recipe it had in there was for cheddar apple pie, which I found interesting. Huh. And also because when I was kind of briefly skimming over it, uh it, it contained information about something I've always wondered, which is why do we have cheese at the end of a meal in a fancy meal, like oh, a dessert course? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do we? Exactly. Uh, the combo of fruit, cheese and nuts at the end of a meal was thought to aid digestion going back as far as ancient civilizations. Uh, and during the Renaissance, it was seen as a luxury of the wealthy. So, of course, everybody wanted to do it. And settlers huh. bought the combination of apples and cheeses with them to the United States. You can still find these on menus um and apparently they well, there used to be a lot of meals throughout the day, sure, and one of them was like a a lighter cheese meal, and one was a wine meal, and then they just all sort of combined into one big dinner meal. huh, anyway, I've always wondered why the cheese comes out at the end. And apparently yeah. it was very important to aid digestion and also to complement your final big wine. Oh, class. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> che- cheese does, I think I mentioned on the show uh um before, there's scientific evidence that that cheese does make wine taste better because mm-hmm. of the way that the fats interact uh with, with the wine in your mouth. So, good. so it's it's science recommended to eat wine and drink eat wine and drink cheese. Yeah, sure, do that too. Do, do, do those things together, though. Definitely. Perfect. There's a story from the 1890s about how apple pie a la mode, uh, that is, pie served with a scoop of vanilla ice cream, came to be named. Apparently, one Professor Charles Watson Townsend was a frequent diner at the Cambridge Hotel in upstate New York, and he regularly ordered ice cream and apple pie together. One time, another diner, Mrs. Barry Hall, apparently, um, asked him what the dish was called, and when he said it didn't have a name, she dubbed it Pie a la mode, and the name stuck. Later, when Townsend was in New York City at Delmonico's, you know, big famous restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and he ordered apple pie a la mode, he was stunned that they had never heard of it. And he caused something of a fuss, like he called over the manager and berated him like really loudly for famous Delmonico's being less classy than an upstate small town hotel restaurant. And they added it to their menu the next day.
1: Quite a quite a tantrum to throw about <laughs> apple pie with some ice cream on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a, something I found very interesting and had never heard of. Oh, Mock apple pie. Yeah,
0: uh, also called chemical apple pie.
1: Yeah, never heard of it. Uh, it's an imitation apple pie made with Ritz crackers or soda crackers that was particularly popular among frugal 19th century American cooks, is often misattributed as a necessity that arose with the Great Depression. But there are written recipes going back as far as 1857, one with the heading, <laughs> quote, an excellent substitute when apples are scarce. Uh,
0: settlers to California would have found apples very expensive during that time. Um, you know, even though they brought seeds and seedlings, the trees would have taken years to mature. So, and, and you know, you could, you could import them, but at a price. Yeah. Um, the pie even played a hand in the Civil War. In 1863, the Confederate Receipt Book included a recipe for apple pie without apples, which, of course, would have been scarce in the Confederate states when supply lines stopped running north to south.
1: Mm -hmm. And these thrifty apple pies grew in popularity when apples were scarce during the Great Depression and World War II. The recipe for the Ritz cracker version of the mock apple pie cropped up sometime in the 1950s. I can't believe we don't win. Don't know when for sure, but apparently <laughs> right? we don't. Um, at first, it was submitted by readers to newspapers, but Nabisco picked it up sometime. We're not started, sure when. Yeah, and started printing it on their boxes. Mm-hmm. And making one involves putting crackers in a boiling mixture of sugar, cream of tartar, and water— And not moving them until they sort of gelatinize and smell like apples. And the main reason this works is thanks to the cream of tartar, which is, I didn't know this, the sediment left behind in the bottle bottom of wine barrels after fermentation. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Cream of tartar. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. And from what I've read, the taste is similar to an apple pie, maybe lacking the tartness, um, but the texture is off, and it's probably... Uh, sweeter, mm-hmm. but I, I've never heard of. I've never heard of this, and apparently, it's frequently used as an experiment for school kids. I, you know, like
0: the pervasion of this of this mock pie is so interesting to me. That you know, like you you could take those ingredients that cream and that sugar and make a number of other pies <laughs> that that are not mock anything. You know, just just a pie, regular pie, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it really demonstrates the emotional attachment that Americans have to apple pie. Like, if you can't have an apple pie, then don't have a different kind of pie. Make a mock apple pie. Yeah, figure it out. Betty Crocker once wrote, If I were to design a coat of arms for our country, a pie would be the main symbol. It would appear with a background of wild berry bushes and orchards. For pie is part of our history and tradition. By right of inheritance, adoption, and improvement, pies have become distinctively American. Every American home has its favorite pie.
1: That's fair. That's true to say. Yeah, it's not untrue. (laughs) (laughs) Hard Um, to argue with. Yes. And we'll leave you with this quote. When you say that something is as American as apple pie, what you're really saying is that the item came to this country from elsewhere and was transformed into a distinctly American experience. And that's from John Lendorf of the American Pie Council. And I kind of think that's that's accurate. I mean, it's not American, but we kind of made it
0: yeah into made it so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we have to say about apple pie. Yeah. Um if you're in the US or elsewhere, it's 4th of July. I hope if you're enjoying apple pie, you have a newfound appreciation for it. Yeah. I, apparently- cer- I certainly do. This was a
0: this this was one of those nice episodes. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah.
1: It's very enjoyable. When I do- discovered the mock apple pie it was like a whole world opened up to me and i ran into our um, (laughs) our uh, break room because there are ritz crackers in there and i was like could this be recipe was not on there but i looked it up online Uh. (laughs) (laughs) so that brings us to our listener mail segment
0: yay yes
1: uh our first one is from jennifer and she wrote it in response to our pineapple episode I was listening to your latest episode on pineapples and was intrigued to learn that humans can get fiber balls, also known as phytobezaurs, from eating too much pineapple core. Bezaurs are a generic term for a mass found inside the GI system, usually in the stomach. I'm a veterinarian, and many animal species can get bezaurs, usually made up of either hair, plant fiber, or a combination of both. These can be benign, but if they become too large or end up in the wrong place in the stomach or intestine, can cause serious health problems such as GI obstruction, even death if untreated too long. Oh, no. I had a professor in vet school that collected bezoars that he had removed from all different species of animals. I also remember learning about a case at a conference where multiple meerkats at the zoo were treated for having phytobezoars in their stomachs from eating too many persimmons. Oh, no. There was a persimmon tree that hung over the exhibit and the little cuties ate too much unripe fruits. <laughs> Turns out humans can get phytobezores from eating too many firm persimmons also. Huh. Bezores were also thought to be antidotes to all poisons back in the day. Shout out to all Harry Potter fans. And I think they are a fascinating subject. I wanted to share just a little bit more on these weird stomach stones. I just love the idea of your cats eating too many persimmons.
0: Right. That's that is so
1: heckin' adorable. I'm like, oh no, meerkats. cats. <laughs> you gotta you've gotta exercise some restraint. Meer cats. I, I know this as well. It's difficult, but you don't want a phyto That doesn't sound fun at all. No. No, none of those do. I'd I'd sign up for zero bezoars. Yes. Unless it is the Harry Potter kind. Right. It's gonna cure all my poisons. Yeah. It that one. <laughs> That one that doesn't exist, I'll take. Yeah,
0: that magical thing. That sounds Mm -hmm. great. Um, Samuel also wrote in about sourdough. My starter is about a year old, and his name is Henry. I also have a rye starter named Gus because I make rye bread to use for toast in the mornings, the best toast ever, very crunchy but chewy in the middle, and more filling and way better for you than white toast. All you need is some unbleached bread flour, an airtight jar, and water. In theory, Henry will last forever as long as I keep feeding him. I keep him in the fridge and feed him every Friday. I then leave him at room temperature for him to double in size and then make the dough on Saturday and bake it Sunday morning. I then have fresh bread for a week because sourdough bread contains several natural preservatives because of the modified bacteria slash acidity levels.
1: Yeah, and he sent a recipe for a starter. Oh. Um, But I just love hearing people talk about their starters like pets.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for telling us about
1: Henry and Gus. I hope Henry does last forever. Yeah, I hope he's doing good. Yes, thank you both for writing in. Mm-hmm. If you would like to write us, we have an email. It is foodstuff at forks.com. You can also contact us via
0: various social media platforms. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw. And uh, we are on that other one, Instagram, Instagram at foodstuff. So uh, check that out. Uh, look up our videos because we've got some of those. We've got that uh, apple pie that we made with Julia. Mm -hmm. Uh, a video on that up and we hope lots more good things are coming your way
1: this episode is brought to you by pronamel not all our favorite foods and drinks are bffs with our teeth salad dressing seltzers and fruits can be enamel enemies
2: Zumo Play.